everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Today is basically the beginning of our summer. It is our kids' last day at school. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Normally, we actually record this podcast while they're at school during the day, so we're going to have to change up our routine. Or have Grandma give us a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure she'll want the kids occasionally during the summertime. So that's our hope and prayer. <laughs> <laughs> True. True statement. And they don't even have a full day of school today. It's only a half day. So lame. I know. Um, I have the windows open because it feels awesome outside here in Ohio. But uh, if you hear some trees and I think some thunderstorms are moving in. So. Sorry about the atmospheric noise. It'll just add to the ambiance. Ooh. Is this going to be like a, supposed to be a spooky episode? Yeah. Well, I don't know why, but sure. We'll add some spook, spook to <laughs> it's it. Not, there's nothing we're talking about that's spooky. <laughs> Although I've been reading a lot of like gothic and, and mystery literature as I'm pondering a PhD and uh, I've been steeped in the spooky reading, but we haven't been playing any spooky games. So that's out. Nope. Wrong time nope. of year. Yep. True. Um, so speaking of games and things we've been out seeing, um, for news and crowdfunding today, I really, I looked at Kickstarter and I, I just didn't see anything worth talking about. Like there's some, like there's this game called Wombat Combat where, um, your wombat's fighting over poop, which is hilarious. Um, but it's like a combat game and I'm, I'm not really interested. And then there's another game that the, shoot see i didn't even pay that much the john the trail trailblazers oh yeah john Murr. uh yeah yeah john mirror something yeah and i thought about talking about that um but it looks very similar to parks and uh all they had were videos on how to play so i was like forget that so then i went to game found i'm like oh castles of burgundy okay last time i played the game i didn't like it it took like 1200 hours and it didn't seem fun to me, but it's been a long time. So not that I wouldn't give it another go, but I was disappointed. But for some reason, there's like a bunch of like Castles of Burgundy fanboys out there that are obsessed with this game. I don't get it. Um, so they got this new edition on GameFound. And so I thought, okay, let's check out GameFound, which I've looked at the site briefly before. But normally um, it's because my faithful correspondent has said, hey, this thing's on GameFound. And so I just Googled directly for that game name plus GameFound. But I just went to the general site because I was browsing because Kickstarter kind of let me down. Uh, GameFound also let me down. Uh, I, I read an article, and maybe some of you saw that Jamie Stigmeyer had with an in, um, he had an interview with a publisher about GameFound. And based on their conversation it seemed like it's really great for publishers um smaller publishers publishers that aren't in like major countries um because kickstarter i did not know this requires um certain countries to have a third party to go through in order to be on kickstarter um and then you don't have like the separate kind of place where the like pledge manager and the money is taken care of on game found like you do on kickstarter a lot of that I didn't know. Interesting. All I know is the output for users. And for me, it's kind of difficult to navigate. Um, the fact they have like upcoming stuff on there plus current stuff on there uh, can get a little mixed up. But I was able to just say, oh, I want to look at all the open Kickstarters. But then you have to keep hitting load more in order to get the full list from that just opening like look at them. They don't say how much time is left for anything on um, the top of it, which for me makes it kind of difficult because I, I kind of like to know how much time do I have left. Like, is it going to go on for a long time? Um, do I need to look at it right away? Is it close to being funded based on the time left? Like, I just kind of like to know those things right up front and you don't have that on GameFound. Um, I feel like the landing pa pages kind of like vary greatly, which I know some publishers really like. But it also means I can't always find the same information where I think I should find it. I don't know. I, I just find it very difficult. I'm excited. I, I want things to go well for publishers. Um, 
But I think GameFound, if it wants to be really competitive Kickstarter, needs to get like a better um, user interface. Yeah, I think I think the way that they notify people the most is through like email communication. Mm-hmm. Like there are a couple projects that I hearted, like you you know you favor something in Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll send you updates with you know we've unlocked this stretch goal. There's 72 hours left. There's 48 hours left. So if you want to, you know, update your pledge or any of that stuff, go do it now before the time is up. But I think also, I, I haven't done much on GameFound, but I think also once the project actually closes, I don't think it's actually closed. So because it's all housed in the same thing, I think you can like add pledges, change pledges up until a certain point, even after the project is done. But I could be off there. I think that's one of the perks to it, though. Well, and there were some on there that I saw... I'm like, I covered this on Kickstarter. And like there was one that said, oh, yeah, this game fully fun on Kickstarter. If you want to like pledge to it, you can. So it's almost like a late backing thing that they're doing through GameFound. Yeah, they do. They do just pledge stuff too, like pledge manager stuff. Which is interesting. I don't know. So I'm, I'm trying for, for the sake of y'all to be more savvy about things like GameFound. I just frankly stink at it because I'm an elder millennial. And I am not good at the interwebs. But GameFound is also not making it easier for me, who is not good at the interwebs. Like, I, I need them to make, like, a... They need an app. They need an app, but they also need, like, um, an over-40 version of GameFound or something. Like a jitterbug version? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big buttons with very clearly stated end times for the campaign, amounts, all of that. I don't... <laughs> I'm going to revolutionize the board game industry. It's board game backing for old people. Oh, man. We could kickstart it. No. no. I haven't been able to figure it out. <laughs> and therein lies the problem. Anyway, so news crowdfunding. I know it's a big fat letdown, but I just didn't see anything that caught my interest. So um, you're welcome to scan for yourself and see if you like the crap that's out there. But. I didn't. (laughs) So that's all I have for news. All right. So let's talk about some games played. So we played some different games, kind of, this weekend, this week. And we're going to talk about a few. So the first one we're going to talk about, we played with our new hotness buddy, Chris, and his wife, Amy. And it is called Corrosion. Now, I didn't know anything about this. I think I heard about it when it came out. It was, you know, there was like two videos and it just fell off the face of the earth, as do most most games. And it's from Capstone. It's a designer-only game. He's not done anything else, just this one. And effectively what you're doing in this is you are taking on the role of female engineers. And you are using those engineers to make different kinds of machines that are going to produce different types of gears. They may produce points. They may convert water into steam. And the reason you're doing that is you're trying to end the game with the most points. But the cool thing is, on your turn, you're gonna you have a hand of cards. You're gonna either play a card down, or you're gonna turn this like resource time wheel, the corrosion wheel, or I don't know what it is. But you're gonna turn this wheel, and it's gonna activate different machines on your board. You're gonna have some that activate every time you turn them. You're gonna have some that activate every like fourth turn when an X hits it. It's like a new round kind of. And then they're going to go away. Stuff's going to decay. If you have gears in certain spaces and the X gets over there, they're going to decay. So you're going to lose goods. So you're trying to make sure that you're spending your resources wisely and all that kind of thing. And you're just trying to do everything as efficient as you can to end the game with the most points. It's kind of like a, ta- a tableau builder a little bit. Yeah, they're going to rust or corrode because organic things decay. That's more thematic. That That's true. Yeah, Thank that's you. true. Hence the name corrosion. But yeah, it's a, it's a really uh, interesting... Basically, engine tableau builder game that has a cool passage of time mechanism with that wheel that kind of symbolizes you. It, it dissuades you from hoarding a bunch of goods because they're going to have to go away if you hold them too long. So I enjoyed it. I it might have been a little long at four, but again, when we have our game nights, we have kids and all that stuff, so it always adds to the time. But it's one that I would definitely like to try again. And yeah, I, I liked it. So what do you think about this? Yeah. Um. I do like it, actually. It's, again, another one of those games that Chris brings over and, like, he always harps on me about, like, well, this game's the same as this game. We just don't like it because it's space-themed. That's stupid. 
That's illogical. Of course it's illogical. I am illogical, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just like what I like and there doesn't need me to rhyme a reason for it. And this is one of those games, like if I just saw the cover, I'd be like, eh, I'm not interested in corrosion. I'm not interested in machines. Um, but I do like the mechanics of this game. Um, it's not like I would say the turning the corrosion wheel is a gimmick, but it uh, it is central to how the oh, game's it's totally a gimmick. That's why I love it. It's it is you know important to how the game's played. Um, I like using your cards as workers, and um, of course, I'm going to applaud female engineers being used. There are only females in this game. I'm like finally, finally. And if somebody wants to get all upset because there's no men, it's about time. Okay, welcome. Welcome to what it feels like. Okay, that's all I'm going to say to you. Oh, my gosh. I didn't, re- I, I didn't realize there was art in the cards. I was looking at the symbols. <laughs> Who cares? Like, it could be guys. It could be monkeys. It could be women. I have no. I don't care. Just tell me what the card does. <laughs> I like to see the representation. I'm putting my soapbox away. It was all out crazy last week. It's got its use. Um. <clears throat> So I, I like that. Obviously, I like the idea of you can follow other people's actions. So you can do things on turns that are not yours. Uh, you just have to have the right, um, like, engineer. Color and number. Yeah, color engineer cards. I was thinking of different, like, action cards, basically. Um, oh, yeah. So it's a balance of what do I play in order to follow an action versus what I'm going to do on my turn. Um, because the cards you play, you don't get to play the action that is on the bottom of the card. You're just playing it for the number in order to follow someone else's action. So just kind of like weighing those out. And um, it's, you know, the most points wins, but trying to identify how to get points is sometimes difficult because they're almost like sub-level. There are machines that can produce points, possibly, um, like one-time machines. But then you're looking, you're like, oh, well, I want to build these like really nice um not platinum machines chrome machines chrome machines um and they're like forever so you feel like yeah that's a good idea which they are they're points but you kind of need to balance that and then getting in-game goals like there's just lots of things going on again i think multiple paths to victory because you and i kind of did different things sort of yeah let's mention who won come on you can say it no i won boom it should have been me no, it shouldn't have. I completely won. <laughs> I earned my win. <laughs> but it wasn't like a far blowout or anything. Yeah, it was like um, nine points or something. So I think yeah. that was interesting. It was eight. Um, that, you know, you're kind of doing your own thing and you get it go about it in different ways. Like you had a lot of those little point markers and I did not hardly have. I did I- I was just taking some of those machines so I could get points for uh, for a while. And I didn't have any of those. I was like, I'm going to build these really awesome machines that gave me awesome powers um, to try to get points. So I love that kind of thing. I would like to play it again because I think it's really I think interesting. Different strategies could develop over time. Um, and again, not one I would have picked up. But when Chris makes me play a game, you know, I, I try to give it a fair shake every time. You know, I think it's ugly or a theme I don't care about because I know well, that there are fun games like that. I just am not going to play it on my own. And he does try to bring over games that he thinks we will like because he knows what we like. So even in spite of a theme, you know, he's like, well, this is just, you know, you like engine building. This is an engine building game, just packaging a weird theme. Right. So he, he does do that, which is which I do appreciate. Yeah, I do too. But he also likes to give me crap about it and i'm like <laughs> well, look, that's true <laughs> i like what i like man i'm willing to give this game a fair shake but again like if this had a different theme maybe i probably really like it as opposed to just being like oh yeah that was good you know yeah i th- it's hard to explain this game too because while it's just an, a tableau builder it does it in weird ways so the the wheel is strange the way that the card system works i would not say it's a tableau builder i i completely disagree with that well i I guess you're building an engine kind of because the engine does dissolve it doesn't stay out there but it's also like you're trying then it's it's like um hand management because it's one of those games where you play a card for an action and you don't get that back until you take an action in order to get the cards back so like that's like a whole nother mechanic that's actually and important and then following is an important part so i like that there are lots of different mechanics happening here and i feel like they flow together really well it's not like um we're gonna talk about that game 
It's not like a different game we're going to talk about where I'm like, I feel like they just added this auction in for no reason. Um, Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But yes. (laughs) We'll get there. Um, This game, though, uh, I think that all the different mechanics like work together really nicely. It is quite thematic. I look, there's like a brand new copy on Geek Market for $35. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's. I mean, and it's a good game. I know our description hasn't been like. Great, <laughs> Sorry. <but laughs> you can, you can go look at it, and it's it's really different. It does feel different. It does some of the same stuff, but it does it in a different way, and it it's really fun. So if you've mm-hmm. never heard of this game, go look it up. I'm sure Dice Tower has a video or something. Rado does. Yeah, Rado, go watch some shaky cam if you want. It's good um, components it's, too. Yeah, it's really nice components. Uh, really fun gameplay and cool theme. If you're into like, it's kind of steampunkish a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you're into that stuff, it, it's a good game. So, yeah. Corrosion, game number one. All right, next game. Katie didn't like this game the last time. We'll see what she thinks this time. And this is a game that I really like. I think it was in my top 100 or just outside of it. And it is called The Prodigal's Club. And this is from Vladimir Suchi. Uh, he's done Underwater Cities, Shipyard, uh, Last Will, which this is effectively last will 2.0 because it incorporates the last will which is selling off all your possessions and you're also trying to make your family hate you and lose as many votes as you can and the way you're doing that is through some worker placement you're trying to go to these different types of boards there's three different boards and you're trying to do things to earn cards earn spaces to make all of your stats go down in those three areas the point of the game is you need to score you want to score the lowest score possible, but your score is the highest of the three different sections. So you can't just ignore one of them and focus on two of them because you're going to have a really high score. So you're trying to balance out how much you're making people hate you, how much you're losing money and how much you're um, losing votes because you got to kind of keep them even to have a good score. Um, And you can play it with two of the competitions or three of the different competitions, but I like all three because why not? Um, it's a really interesting worker placement game with some interesting card action play that kind of does feel tacked on a little bit, I think, in all, in all honesty. But I do enjoy this game, and I'm glad I have it and love to play it more, but I don't know how often that's going to happen because I don't know how much everybody else likes it. So on that note, Katie, what do you think about this? Okay, so this play was infinitely better than the last time we played it. And I had p- actually played it before the last time we played it. But sometimes one experience sours me. And I, we played it with someone named whose name rhymes with <laughs> Cold Dratzer. Um, and it, we're, we're going to come up with a new nickname. <laughs> a new one. It wasn't a good experience. And also, it started, it was started like really late at night. And I am not the young person I once was. And my brain does not function as well late at night. And like just everything was going wrong for some reason. We played this and I was grouchy and I was like, that's it. I hate this game. Now, I am willing to give things a second chance in all um, pretty much all areas of my life. Unless you like hurt one of my friends and then you're dead to me. But I was like, okay, I'll give this game another chance. And I, I like it. It would not be my first choice to play. Like, it just, I don't, I don't know. The gameplay isn't engaging enough for me. I'm not even saying, like, the mechanics are fine, and I don't, I, it's it's worker placement. Like, I kind of like the card piece, because that allows other things to happen that are different, that are outside just the basic plonking down your pe- your little hat, which is cute. The hats are cute. Um you know, some of it's silly, and, and I like, like, that tongue-in-cheek kind of stuff that, like, oh, in order to get your relatives, like, to move your relatives down this track for them to hate you more, you, like, have this scandalous picnic with a naked woman on Sunday. Like, that's funny. Um, but overall, it's it's not that engaging. Um, it's not a bad game. It's not a bad game. And I would play it again, um, but it would have to be someone else's choice. So those are my thoughts. Well, it's always going to be someone else's choice. It would be my choice probably because I think I'm the only person that I know that has this game. Well, yeah, but I mean, other people might be are interested in it. Like that's why we played it because our friend Matt said, "Oh, that that theme sounds fun. I'd like to." Oh play yeah, that's it. true. Yeah, he asked if we had Last Will. I said, "I don't have Last Will, but we have Prodigal's Club, which is kind of similar, just busier." So uh, yeah, we played that instead. I like it. I do agree with you. It's not you don't you're not like having a ton of fun playing this game it's not like man i'm having so much fun putting my hat here and collecting this card (laughs) i i I get that but i i like the theme of it i think it's interesting um 
I enjoy playing it. I like trying to put the puzzle together to balance how much everybody hates me and losing my money. I like that. It's That's fun to me, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's not the most engaging of Euro games, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, so speaking of Euro games that are not the most engaging, uh, Katie foreshadowed this one a little bit when we were talking about Corrosion, and Katie played Yido. Well, we both played it, but Katie joined in on the play this time. And we played it. It was me, Katie, and our friend Brandon. We played a three-player game of Yido, and we played it shorter than the 11 rounds because we were already at like two hours, and I was like, this is going to go on for like a decade. So... We, we cut it short at eight rounds instead of 11. And effectively what this game is, this is a Euro, uh, Euro, duh, um, a worker placement game, kind of similar to Lords of Waterdeep where you're going to a spot and you're collecting stuff. But in this one, there's multiple phases of the game and there's also going to be this little guy that's moving around the middle called the Watcher and he's going to arrest people that go to a certain space. Maybe. There are cards that can, you know, protect you from that, but... He's going to make, he's basically kind of going to block spaces off to make the board tighter. You can go there if you want, but you're risking, you know, you need to have a card. You're probably going to get arrested if you don't. So, you know, it's up to you. But the thing that Katie alluded to earlier is at the beginning of every phase, there's an auction. And you're effectively auctioning for really important stuff. There's in-game goal cards. There's action cards, which are those cards that can help you um, get out of jail if that guy tries to arrest you. There's geishas that you need to fulfill contracts. There's different rooms that you need to fulfill contracts. There's extra workers, you know, because you start with two and you can get a maximum of four. And there's additional ways to get missions. Now, you can do all this stuff on the board as well, but it's more advantageous to do it through the bidding because you can usually get stuff cheaper. Uh, And then you're going to go down to the worker placement. You're going to put workers down. Once everybody has their workers down, then we're going to take the workers off and activate them. The interesting thing here is we're trying to fulfill these goal cards and the way that that works is you sometimes you need to have um, your disciples, which are your workers, in certain locations. And you may have to have a geisha on your board. You may have to have certain rooms. So you're going to take the, the worker off, and you don't get to activate the location, but you're using it to fulfill the mission of that card that you have. And they're going to give you points, maybe money, all that kind of stuff. You're trying to just have the most points at the end of the game. So you're trying to complete missions to help you out with that. Um it's a pretty basic worker placement, but some of the stuff does feel a little tacked on. And I'll let Katie talk about that a little bit more. I enjoy it. It's probably too long. Um, it's definitely too long. Not probably. It's definitely too long. And I don't think I'd ever want to play it at any more than three because it's going to be even longer. But I did enjoy it still. Not one I'm going to want to keep playing over and over and over, but I had a good time. So what do you think about Yido? Is it supposed to be that long? Like, is that... I played it with Brandon. Just me and him played a two-player game. We played all 11 rounds, and it was probably an hour more. It's wow. super long. I don't know why it's so long. It's just a worker placement game, but because of the way you're using your workers and that stupid auction can take a minute mm-hmm. because, you know, bidding always, you know, how much do I want to bid? Do I want to bid four? Do I want to bid five? You know, that always takes a second. So, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it should be that long, but it always goes long. Yeah, um, I liked it. I uh, of course it's Asian themed, specifically Japanese themed. So I'm a big fan. Um, I like contract fulfillment. I like kind of puzzling that out. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought the auction felt tacked on. Like honestly, the the different cards and things that you want to get during auction, you should just make those action spaces and people go to them. I I mean. And maybe for the first one there, you get like a discount on how much something costs. Bam, auction out. I think it would make it flow smoother. You're using your workers more effectively. Um, I, I just think that's a better idea. There's also this trade mechanic in there, which, yeah, would be nice. But instead, if you had those as action spaces where you could you could trade items in and out at those spaces, then you wouldn't need to like put on this player interaction piece that doesn't belong just it you don't need that it ruined i think it kind of ruins the thematic playthrough and the flow of the game um the auction does as well other than that i really liked it i think another thing is they need like a a shortening mechanism where it's like oh the first player to complete you know seven missions or whatever well it has the kill the shogun card yeah, but it's in a stack of like twenty five thousand. Yeah, that's in the most true. hard that's stack. True. Which who's gonna like <laughs> yeah. go right for that? 
Yeah, it's, it's and that one's almost impossible to do. It's super hard. Right. So uh, there's a better way to do that. Or if someone, com- the first person that completes like five red ones or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah that's true. Because those are really hard to do too. Right. There should be something like that. That's another in-game trigger. Um, and we, I mean, we could obviously house rule all of this because there really are spaces on the board, I think. <laughs> That can be used. I'm like, oh, that looks like a worker placement space. You're like, no, that's just the auction space. I'm like, but it looks like where I put my worker. It does, yeah. Um, that's true. So I, 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 I liked it. I did. I would be willing to play it again. Probably not at more than two, even though you said it's better at more than two. But it just, it just takes so long. Yeah, and I, I think part of it is because you're placing your workers and then you're pulling your workers off to activate. That takes a little bit longer, too. Like in Lords of Waterdeep, you're going to a spot and you're doing the stuff, which goes quicker. So I don't, I don't know if because you're basically doing the worker placement twice in a round, maybe that's why it takes so long. But I think that that's really key, though, is because then pulling them off in certain order, like, can change how your turn goes. So I think that's really important. Oh yeah, you have to do it. There's no way you could fulfill missions otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's. I think that could add to some of the time. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. I did. And there is a, a fancy deluxe version that maybe cleaned up some of the rules. I don't know. We'll never know because it's uh, super expensive. Aww. But uh, yeah, so I don't know how much different that one is. All I know is we have the old and busted one. No surprise. Uh, so that's what we played. So yeah, those are three games that we played. Let's talk about the topic. All right. So we have been doing some coverage of... A variety of publishers that we have at least played a significant number of their games, at least seven to eight or well, to get a good list. We're shooting for about 13, probably some of them. Obviously, we had more so we could pick our own top lists. Um, but we went for games that we could get a good number of games played and games owned to create our list. However, there are some great publishers out there that either haven't made a ton of games or or we just don't have them, more of them, or haven't played more of them. But we definitely want to give them some love. So we want to talk about um, just a few favorites from some small publishers. So we're going to talk about the give the name of the publisher themselves, um, and then just a couple of games that we have played or owned that we really enjoy, uh, just to give you, I don't know, give some more coverage to other games. And I'll, most of these are, none of these are the new hotness. But they're all good games. Um, and I know that we have people at different stages kind of in your board game, in our in your like board game journey, I guess. I don't know. Some of you have been playing games for years. You know exactly what you like. You know exactly what publishers you like. Other people are new. They're looking for recommendations maybe or trying to grow their collection. Or you just happen to know Jason and I or someone said, listen to this podcast and you – we're a dummy and gave in or you have insomnia sucker yeah right or you have insomnia and you're like hey i heard that these people put you to sleep the this could be a way <laughs> to find a new game in your subconscious like that's what we're all about just talking about good games and kind of um bringing them to light so uh we're gonna start off with uh, i don't know we've got five uh, i think six six six, six. they're not necessarily small publishers but well, I guess kind. I but, don't know. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I put small just because they don't have as many games as some of the other ones. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're small. But that's just the term yeah. that I used. They they haven't published maybe as many games, or they have a small footprint in our collection. Right. Yeah. That that's better. Thank yeah, you. That's probably nicer. Hey, I'm good at this. All right. So Jace, kick us off with our first publisher. Yeah, I'll do this first one because Katie, even though it's written here, probably wouldn't know how to say it. Uh, so let, <laughs> let me, me try. Let me try. Okay. So this is kids game, kids table, kids board. No, kids gaming. It's, it's ta- written right here. I was trying not to look at it <laughs> and see if I could get it, but I can't. Yeah. So, and I, I will preface before we go into the one that Katie can't say, we don't own all these games, which is part of the reason why they're on this list as well. We, j- we own most of them, but not all. So the first company we're going to talk about is Kids Table Board Games. I don't know why that's so hard, but their logo is KTBG. It's a little kid, some kids sitting at a board game table. And we own one of these two games, so we'll talk about the one we don't own first. And this is a game called Fossilis, which looks like fossils. I don't know. It's real dumb. 
Um, but this is a game where you're trying to dig up different types of dinosaur bones to create these like fossil stuff that you see in a museum. You need certain pieces, like you may need ribs, you may need a skull, you may need um, like f- arm, leg pieces, that kind of thing. And you're trying to get that, you're going to complete the dinosaur, you're going to score a bunch of points. The interesting thing about this is the way that you have to get these pieces is by sliding these tiles, moving your little archaeologist, and you're sliding these tiles off so you can expose what's underneath them because all the stuff's put in there randomly and you don't know what's there, kind of like digging for real. There could be spaces that have nothing. There could be spaces that have a ton of stuff. So you're moving around trying to get to where you need to collect the stuff that you want to turn them into make dinosaurs. There's more to it than that. I We haven't played it for a long time, so I'm not sure what else goes on, but that's the gist of it. Um, you can push people off the edge too, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, that's a solid game. All right, so the next game from them we do have in our collection, and I like this one quite a bit, and it's called Wreck Raiders. This is a game about diving into the ocean to collect different types of artifacts and or fish to make aquariums. Uh, sounds weird, but that's the theme. So you're trying to get different kinds of artifacts to put in like a display to earn points. You're trying to get different kinds of fish to score a bunch of points because you want to have as big of a variety or same kind of stuff in this aquarium as possible. And you're going to get stuff that's going to multiply the fish times other things to score a bunch of points. The cool thing about this game is the, uh, the beginning of every round, you're going to roll these dice into the box and whatever the dice are touching is going to be some additional kind of bonus that they're going to be able to provide you when you draft the die. So you get to take the action of the die and you may get some kind of currency depending on where the die landed in the box. Uh, it's, it's a pretty easy game to learn to play once you've learned it. It's not most of their games are solidly family, hence the name Kids Table Board Games. So if you've played a lot of games or if you haven't played a ton of games, you could get into some of these pretty easily. Rule books are easy; they don't have a lot of overhead, and they're just fun and they look gorgeous as well. So yeah, those are the two from Kids Table Board Games. Um, despite the fact that I always screw up the name of this because I just try to like make it into a different sentence or something. I don't know, like. I always want to say it's like kids gaming. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's kids board games. And I'm like, oh, wait, the the table just, I don't know. <clears throat> I apologize. I really like this this company. Um, the Fossilus, I thought the game was called Fossils. Same. If you look at the box, it has almost a camel up, camel cup thing going on. But it's it's almost like a really gimmicky kind of um, set collection game cool and recreators is really good and the artwork on both um and components are really great like recreators has these adorable like little crabs that are your um point markers and then you your people your workers are like these cool little um like deep sea divers like it's just it's cool like they're just it's really good they have good stuff um there's games by this company that we do not own that i've i I know, I just know I will love, but Jason won't spend money to buy them. Um, well, to be fair, when they come out to, to retail, they're usually pretty cheap. Like their games are usually 30 to 40 bucks, which even with all that production is pretty nice. So why aren't you buying me Creature Comforts, man? I don't think it's out yet, is it? I think so. Oh, I thought it was just Kickstarter uh, backers getting it. I didn't know it was out in retail. I don't know, but we know a place that has Kickstarter stuff sometimes. That's true. You're right. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, great publisher, really cool games, great production and art. I like everything about kids' table board games. I just read Good it. Good job. You read it. Good I job. read it right off the sheet. <laughs> uh, the next company is one that we like because we have kids and um, we don't want to play Monopoly, Candyland, um, Uno, Attack, or any of those other awful games 15,000 times. We want good games. And Loki is a small publisher. It's adorable. I think that the mascot is like this little corgi with a... It's a corgi, corgi with a cape. With a cape. Adorable. Freaking adorable, right? Um, but they make some really cool kids games. And some that we haven't played. So one of our favorites is Detective Charlie. I believe I've mentioned this before on um, the podcast, but... It's this adorable kids deduction game. Uh, it comes, I think, six cases. And you're going around this little town and solving like um, 
adorable cases like, oh, who got my swimsuit? Or whose swimsuit showed up my house instead of mine? And who ate all the chocolate that was supposed to be for the chocolate festival? So cute. Um, just a great way. And for me, since I love deduction in general, like this is such a fun way to teach my kids about deduction. Because obviously Jason had no deduction training and was like, you know, a, a new baby deer that could barely stand on his legs. <laughs> Call me Bambi. And was going to be eaten by wolves because he had no idea how deduction worked. <laughs> so this is a really great, I enjoy playing it because it's so, I mean, the artwork. Oh my gosh, you guys. Just Google this game to look at the artwork because it is so We have a video too. You can cute. check it out there. Oh yeah. So check out our video with the adorable artwork. Is our daughter in it or is it just you? It's just me. So it's not uh, as Not adorable. as good as it could be. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm not in it either, so, you know, two strikes. Uh, but still, <laughs> you can see the adorable artwork. And she and I can have, like, our youngest daughter and I have played with played it. It's kind of a cool thing that we can do. Um, we haven't played the last story because she doesn't want it to end, uh, which I think is really cute and really fun. And it's it's moving around. You're, like, questioning witnesses, so you find out the information that they know. And... It's really interactive. So around the box, there you put these little plastic things that hold in cards that have the suspects on them so that you can look at them, eliminate them. You take them physically off. So you're keeping kind of your notes there, and it's good for kids to be able to visually see that. Um, and they're looking like, oh, this is a – it was a small – there were small footprints. Okay, so – it tells you like which animals are really large and th so you know they can't be there. And so helping her like walk through that idea like, oh, we know that the footprints were small. So who does that mean that it couldn't be? Like who can we say probably wasn't there or who can we say could have been there? Um, just helping them with logic, which I think is really important. Another really cool game, and I haven't played this yet, but a lot of like Jason has several times and we played it with our other friends um, yeah. who enjoyed Brandon it. Brandon played it. <laughs> yeah. It's called Kraken Attack. And so it's a cooperative game. Just like Detective Charlie is, which I think cooperative games are really nice um, for kids because you're working alongside them. Um, you don't have to decide, oh, am I going to take, you know, am I going to go easy on them or whatever? You're working together. Um, but Kraken Attack, you're fighting off this Kraken who's attacking your ship. Um, I've they And they've said it's actually pretty difficult to fight off the Kraken. Yeah, it's not one that you're going to win win every time. Like, it, it's not impossible. And it, it's, as far as co-ops co go, it's it's easier because it's a kid's co-op. But, like, you're re relying on dice rolls. It's going to determine which um, Krakens are moving forward, which one's going to attack you. So you're trying to get in position so you can shoot or hit it with a sword to cut off its leg, you know, its tentacles. Like, it's pretty tough. It, it is tough. But again, great artwork, good production, and like a kid's game that's actually fun to play as an adult. So, um, yeah, I would I would definitely recommend checking out Loki um, for their kids' games. Yeah, I wouldn't play Detective Charlie with adults, but I could see actually a group of adults just playing Kraken Attack and having fun. Like if you just like co-ops and you don't want a super brutal one, you would have fun playing it. It's got dice rolling. It's got some cool card play. It's a good game. But yes, they're definitely should be played with kids, but there are some of them that I think you could play with an adult game group if you would want to, but great games. All right. So next up is actually a twofer, which is technically the same company, but they turned into something else and then they went back to their original name. And that is Druid city and skybound. So the company was Druid city. Then they were bought out by skybound and then they bought their way back out to be Druid city. And we have played a couple of their games and I think both of them actually fall under the Skybound name, but either way, it doesn't matter. Same company. And the first game we're going to talk about is one we don't own. Our friend Chris brought this over, and I've played it two or three times. I think Katie's played it once or twice. And it is called Tidal Blades. Now, this is a worker placement game where you're sending these little characters out, and you're trying to collect different types of dice. And then you're going to be rolling dice to fulfill these missions and fight monsters. That's the gist of the game. There's a little more to it than that, but that's the gist. And it has really great artwork. It looks nice on the table. It kind of takes up a lot of room on the table, but it looks really nice. Um, it's, once you learn it, it's easy to play, and it's just rolling dice and having a good time. Really fun. We played with the, uh, with the expansions as well, and it's good. If you can find it, it's a little bit pricey, but 
if you like worker placement, you may dig this one. Next is another kids game ish. I think you could play this as a, a, you know, just a family game too. And it's called Pebble Rock Delivery Service. This is a pick up and deliver game where players are taking on the role of this little ship captain. And you're trying to go around the map, picking up different cargo, maybe picking up passengers and delivering them to where they want to go for points. Uh, but you're also trying to avoid the shark because it'll eat some of your your cargo. You're trying to avoid the pirate because it'll steal some of your cargo, but you can deliver them treasure as well. Um, there's this cute little whale that if you come across her, she'll give you some cargo. Uh, you can get different cards to upgrade your boat. You can get fish that are going to help you move. Uh, it's a really cool, like, dice rolling, moving, picking up stuff and delivering things. Really fun. Plays pretty quickly, but takes up huge space on the table because the board is massive. But, re- again, really nice artwork and really fun. Our daughter really likes it, too. I think she won last time, which is annoying. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so Tidal Blades and Pebble Rock Delivery Service are the two we wanted to highlight from Druid City slash Skybound. Yeah, I mean, I have always been interested in this company, mostly because I think that the head of the company is really attractive, <laughs> which is so terrible. But he always, like, he brings it when he's at a con. He is, like, dressed up, looking sharp, hair on point. Like, that's the way to be a professional, man. Good job. And it doesn't hurt to bring attention to yourself, to your company. Um, and, and these games are good. Like Tidal Blades, I really enjoyed. I kind of wish we had this. Yeah, it's it's hard to find now, too, I think. Of course it is. Um, but re- also really great. Like, at first, I'm like, the name. The name is so deceptive. To me, like, with Beyblade and all those other, like, anime fighting toys game shows, the name throws you off. I think personally, I would have named it something else. Um, but gameplay is super good. Artwork's cool. Um, also, it's a table hog too. Maybe because you play with expansions, but it like no. Even without, it's still a table hog. It's huge. Um, and Pebble Rock Delivery Service. Oh my gosh, adorable and yes, really fun. And our daughter won, and I was ticked because I should have not been helping her because I wanted to win. Um, but really fun game. Great components. Did they also do the fish game, or is that somebody else? What fish game? What are you talking about? Were you like Eskimos? Go go Eskimo. No, that is um, like I forget what they're called, but that's a different company. Yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry to mix that in. It just came to my brain. But yes, both both these games are really great, and they have other cool games. We just haven't played them. Speaking of a company that we haven't played a lot of games from, let's talk about Plaid Hat. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm so glad that this came to me because Jason traditionally... Not a fan. Not a fan of this company at all. Because it's good games that are about story that he can't handle. (laughs) No. No. One game I do like is not about story, really. Well, that's true. So the first game, the game that... The only game that Jason will claim that he likes from Plaid Hat is Abomination, the Air of Frankenstein. Uh, when he saw this game was coming out, he's like, well, wait a minute. That looks like a game I actually would play. That's like a worker placement Euro. What the heck? And yeah, that's not in their wheelhouse at all. Right. Um, the artwork is cool. The theme is so preserved in this game because they do, do, normally do a lot of story-driven games. And so that's why I really like it. Um the idea that you are creating a companion for Frankenstein's monster and to do so, you got to harvest body parts while maintaining your humanity um, or at least the appearance you, of humanity. You don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. Well, but it makes certain things harder. That's true. That's true. Um, and then and then get, get all your parts together, skin it, and activate your monster. Really, a really cool game. There have been some complaints. It's too long. Like, I don't understand these cards. Well, you suck is what I have to say to that because it's not. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. Okay. Uh. Get better opinions. Um, they do have this. <laughs> what? I'm just funny. It's funny. You just crack me up. It's funny. Just keep talking. They do have this Igor variant that the publisher put out because people complained. Um, you can use that if you're of the wrong opinion, but I don't think you need to, um, especially at two players. I think this is goes really nicely. Oh yeah. It was like an hour and a half. It was fun. 
Yeah, and and I feel like you're immersive, and and you want to get your monster together, so you want the time to collect the things that you need, and there, it's not like you have all day because your stuff, you've got these dead body parts, they're decaying, man. Um, so there is timeliness to it, like, and like the story cards, like you could just not do them if they really bother you that much, but they honestly aren't that big of a deal of a distraction. It, I mean, it's just part of what's happening as you're trying to build a monster i mean come on you're gonna encounter some you know hiccups uh so really really great game i really enjoy it i i think people need to try it before they get a little hoity-toity about it um but it's good the other game that i really enjoy jason has not played although i need it written written down but he has verbally said to me more than once that he would play this game and that is forgotten waters so i don't remember saying that uh, you said it more than once. I, I know, I know it's, it. on, it's on the it's on the podcast. That's right. Uh, Jason said he would play it. So this is a story driven game um, where you kind of take the place of someone on this crew on a ship, and you're going through looking for treasure, trying to figure some stuff out. Um, everybody has a part to play. That's actually important. You kind of create the character through this like Mad Libs kind of way, which is silly and fun. Um, and like different stuff happens based on the choices that are made. And when you go into a port, like it's got this really cool storybook. There's an app that goes with it that does a really great job of reading everything. Although you could read it yourself. I have no problem with that. But th- it is a really nice dramatically done um, app that kind of continues the story for you. Um, you're able to do different things. Sometimes you stay on the same page or the same map um, as you're figuring stuff out in a port or with people as you're trying to kind of unlock these ultimate goals. And you even have personal goals as well. Um, it's like piratey fun. And it encourages that narrative. It's like it's like D&D light. And so if you're kind of interested in role playing, um, without like some excessive dice rolling like this is a really good entry to it like it's super fun and you could play like a really short bit of scenario you could play a long one like um i only played kind of we played this once but it was over several hours so it was like this huge experience of this game and we haven't gotten back to it and i would really love to because it was a real good time um so yeah plaid hat i like abomination i like forgotten waters i'm excited to see if they do more things along these lines because they totally work for me yeah plaid hat's not a company that whenever they announce something i don't even look at it because most of their stuff's like card games like rises ashes rise of the phoenix born uh or like social hidden trader games like dead of winter or story driven games like this and mice and mystics and all that kind of thing those just aren't my game, so I don't care. But when I saw Abomination, I was like, oh, man. And then I heard it was from Platt. I was like, oh, no, they're, they're, they're doing something that I'm actually going to like. So, yeah. But um, Abomination's good. Platt Hat's a good company. They're just not in my wheelhouse. Uh, so next up is a company that we do have a, a decent amount of games of. And one, we're going to talk about one that we don't have because it's good. And that the company is called Pandasaurus Games. We technically covered a Pandasaurus game up earlier with Yido, so we're not going to double it on that list. But here are four other ones. So Dinosaur Island is one of the first ones I think we had from them. And it's a worker placement game about trying to create Jurassic Park. But you can't say Jurassic Park, so you're creating a Dinosaur Island. Uh, you got to make sure that you have security because you know dinosaurs can escape, eat your people. You're trying to just get as many guests to come in to score money and points and just have the most points at the end of the game. Cool production. Crazy 80s-style art. Um, very good game. Silver and Gold, a little flip-and-write game. You're flipping some cards, and you're you're marking off spaces on these cards that you have in front of you. You're trying to fulfill cards to score points. You're trying to cross out coins to score a bunch more points because the first person that scores each set of points is going to score the most points, and they're going to go down from there. Uh, you're going to play over, I think, four or five rounds, and whoever has the most points crosses out the most cards wins the game. Ohanami, which is one... Katie really enjoys and has played it a lot. It is a game about, well, I'll just let Katie come back to that later. It's a game about <laughs> building a garden or something. A card game where you're going to have three rows of cards, up to three rows of cards in front of you, and you're always playing a card that's either lower or higher than what you have down in front of you. So you're trying to balance all that, the card play out, and you're also going to be scoring for different colors over the three rounds. So I think the first round you're going to score blue only. 
Second round, you're going to score blue and green. And then the third round, you're going to score blue, green, and gray. So you're trying to get as many of those cards as you can, score the most points. And then at the end of the game, you're going to see who has how many pink cards you have. And you're going to get a big pile of points for those as well. So you're trying to play as many cards down as you can, efficiently as you can, score the most points. And then finally, uh, Wasteland Express Delivery Service. We don't own this one, but it's a pickup and deliver game where you're trying to get gas and guns and all that kind of thing. And from one section of the map, deliver it to other another section on the map. You have these personal goals you're trying to fulfill. If you can do that first, you win, I think. I can't remember exactly. But there's some, uh, some baddies on the board that you can go around and fight if you want to waste some time and not do anything, um, which Katie and Chris did. Um, <laughs> it looks really cool. It's got like a Mad Max theme to it, post-apocalyptic type of stuff, and really fun. It'd be one that I'd like to get. It's... It's good. It's pretty expensive, but I do like it. So those are four games for Pandasaurus, and now Katie can talk about Ohonami a little bit more. Oh my gosh, I really like a lot of these Pandasaurus games. I'm the one that kept adding them into the outline, because I'm like, we can't just talk about Dinosaur Island, which is super good, especially now that I have all the little shaped dinosaur meeples, because meeples, people. Um, Silver and gold, great roll and write, and I don't necessarily overwhelmingly love roll and writes. Ohonami, a beautiful little card game, with important decisions, super easy mechanics, and a Japanese theme. What more could you want? Uh, yeah, you're making a garden. You have three different plots, and all these cards are numbered, but they have different colors, and different colors score at different times. So you're trying to keep cards that are going to help you with the scoring, but you also you know, are really conscious of the numbering because you cannot place cards in numerical order in between cards that you've already laid in your garden um and so you got to make sure you have a, a place to put those otherwise you can you know get rid of cards but you're actually losing points that way you're just throwing away points so nobody wants to do that so it's got these really great decisions but it's it's basically a, a drafting game like <laughs> it's so easy it's so good. And yeah, Wasteland Express Delivery Service, definitely one I would never, never, never pick up myself. Never. I hate dystopian post-apocalyptic theme. I hate that. Why? Um, but man, I I really, I liked this game. It was fun. I would definitely play it again. I don't think I liked it as much as Jason, but it's good. It is really good and interesting, even though I hate the theme and the artwork. So, yeah, good stuff, Pandasaurus. Good stuff. <laughs> what? <laughs> you you talk about me. Like, I just don't see theme, but you get, like, hoity-toity about themes. I like what I like, man. Okay. It's, it's fine. I'm just saying. To me, it's just text and mechanics. I don't, I don't see any of that. I don't like space. Like, I don't like machines, robots, AI stuff. And I don't like post-apocalyptic nuclear waste, nuclear winter, et cetera, dystopian themes. Like, like 100 percent. If Chris didn't say that all the characters in that game were female yesterday, I'd have had no idea. I barely looked at the art, so I yeah, it's just one of those things that the theme could be. It could just be black and white on black and white, and I wouldn't even care. Oh, I hate that. That's why I hate abstract games because there's no theme. Yeah, I don't. I don't care. It's fine. Um, our last publisher, I don't know a ton about, except that um, they have this series of games, and we're going to talk about one of them. So the the company's is Braincrack Games, and so they have these city themed games: Venice, Ragusa, and Florence. Um, Florence is not out yet. Ragusa is not bad. Um, but Venice is is a really great game. And so in Venice, you're you're moving around the canals of Venice in a pick up and deliver. But you've got these really awesome gondolas that can keep stuff in it. And you, it's it's really cool. It, it's a really cool game. Now, we've only played this at two. Which is which is cool. It simulates like a four player game, though. Right. But they have this mechanic where there's this like, I forget what it's called. Not like a renegade. It's, it's like a, a Spy, I think. Spy, smuggler. Yeah, yeah. Somebody. So it's basically this other boat that um, does move it in between turns. But it kind of, it really does make it 
strategic where you can go, where you can't go because you don't want to lose goods. You don't want to get notoriety um, for being a shady busta moving stuff around in the city. Uh, it's just a really fun game with really awesome opponents. Um, Ragusa was okay. I am, I if I remember Florence correctly, I think it's one that I had talked about when I was on Kickstarter and I really wanted it, but Cheapo wouldn't let us back it. But because of that, yeah, Grand Crack Brain Crack Games doing a great job with Venice. Love it. So I did send a message to the game store that gets all the Kickstarters. Yeah. And they they have a copy of Florence coming for me. I'm pretty sure. Ooh. I didn't pay for it yet, but they, they ordered one. So a retailer pledge, I think, so we can get one. But yeah, wow. Venice is Venice is great. Um, really cool components. The map, the board might be a little too small because the boats are pretty big. Oh, <laughs> but just like logistically, not yeah, 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 size wise, <laughs> yeah. So I, not a big deal. It, you can still make it work. It just it could use an extra, you know, I don't know, like an inch or two on each side <laughs> just to give it a little more room. But really fun game. I like Ragusa too, but we didn't put it on the list because. Venice is better. It's a better game. And we just wanted to highlight that one. So, yeah, good game. Those are some of our smaller kind of footprint game, like publishers in our collection that we really like. So we've covered some of the big, big dogs. Um, there are obviously some some companies that we just don't have a bunch of their stuff. We didn't put Simon on here. Yeah, we do actually have a bunch of Simon games, which is surprising. I don't think we have a bunch. Oh, we have a whole shelf full. Really? I have two of them right now that my mic's sitting on. Yeah. I know for sure, like, we absolutely love The Godfather, which is Simon. Godfather, Victorian Masterminds. Oh, I like that one too. Dogs of War. Oh, I like that one too. Uh, We have Unfair. We have Fairytale Inn. We have Blue Moon City. We have Marvel United. Uh, Sorry, Simon. We didn't talk about you. Yeah, sorry. We didn't think about that, but yeah, there we go. Honorable mention right there, Simon. (laughs) It was, Jason was supposed to be in charge of all of the little publishers that were going on this list. Well, uh, we didn't want to have all of them because there'd be like, it'd be like a five hour episode. No, it wouldn't. Um, but I think there's something to be said for supporting and getting behind some small publishers. Like we didn't even talk about Japanime games either, which um, that's true. We talk about them a lot, though. We do, so. and you all know I love Tanto Kore, um, which so it's no surprise. But what are some small publishers that maybe we didn't mention, or we did mention that you really like that you want to champion that we need to get the word out? Um, hit up all our social medias. We love to hear from you guys. Um, we're excited to talk about games and and ask for recommendations and get recommendations and find new games to play um, based on the chatter in um, the Facebook group, hashtag The Riveted, in our Discord channel, um, on Instagram, on Twitter, you know, even uh, just replying, like commenting on our podcast videos or a billion other videos that Jason makes. Um, that I keep saying I'm going to do one, but maybe maybe one day I'll get back into the video biz. <laughs> I don't know. I should probably do better about written <laughs> doing written reviews instead. Um, but also, uh, if you want to see kind of a culmination of all of our stuff, go to our website, bgmechanics.com, right? Yep, bgmechanics.com. Yep. We just recently posted a link um, that my sister-in-law um, – she has a website. She's like really good with graphics and stuff. Um, she designed some fun little t-shirts for us. So if you want some, want to get yourself some board game mechanic swag for the up, up and coming con season, go check it out. And maybe as time goes on, we'll get more styles out there. Cause right business now has to, business has to be booming. That's what, that's what she said. Yeah. Business has to be booming. If business is booming, we'll get you more t-shirts. <laughs> the problem is the one t-shirt is like all stuff Jason likes. And I need, we need a Katie t-shirt with all the stuff I like. That's true. Like Japan theme, theme, <laughs> theme, multi-use cards, multiple <laughs> paths to victory, engine building. They're just not as easy as yours. Yeah. Mine are just simple. I simple. need to break it down. Hey. Like, Pretty <laughs> story. Tan beige cubes tracks nobles. That's me right there. <laughs> <sighs> well, I'm infinitely more complex than you. I guess that's just what that it's goes true. to show. You're not wrong. I'm a simpleton. That's what you basically said. <laughs> I did not. I just can't be boiled down to a t-shirt. 
I could just say like no space, no dystopian, no zombies, no whatever I hate. That's true. It could be the the anti stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and just have it all in there, and then just have it all xed out. <laughs> All right, so yes, we love to hear from you guys. And if you are going to be at Origins, we're probably going to do an Origins preview podcast very soon. Oh, yeah, that'd be next week, probably. Yeah. Um, true. Because we'll be there at least a couple of days. Um, so if there's something you want to see, you want us to give you feedback about, look for, look for you, please let us know. We are um, really cunitive and we love to meet members of the Riveted because you guys are the best. Yeah, you're pretty okay. That's right. Pretty okay. We definitely yeah. need that as a t-shirt. That's coming. That That's true. Just hashtag pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Keep gaming.